Something New is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Hello, dear listeners. This is Season 5, Episode 8 of Something New, a musical theater podcast. I'm your host, Joel B. New. How's everybody been? Can you believe it's been another two weeks since I brought you my episode with Louisa Prosku, whose last name I am still working on? I'll let you know when I get it right. Thank you so much for tuning into that episode. Uh, I hope it inspired all of you to get your tickets to their Spring Festival, which is happening as we speak through May 28th at the Baruch Performing Arts Center in New York. If you want to get your tickets, I believe there's still a few left. They are quite the hot item. If you go to heartbeatopera.org, you can get your tickets and get to witness new classic opera in the making. Before we get to today's episode and my interview with Michael Kushner, I also wanted to plug a show that is happening here in New York at the Astoria Performing Arts Center, directed by my dear friend Dev Bondaren. Through May 27th, the Astoria Performing Arts Center is presenting Raisin, the musical adaptation of Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun. Raisin is set in segregated 1950s Chicago, and it's about Walter Lee Younger and his mother, Lena, and they're fighting over the spending of insurance money. He wants to start a business with friends, while she is eager to move the family out of the South Side and into Clybourne Park. Pulsing with the musical beat of the city, Raisin depicts a black family's struggle in the face of change. Go to apacny.org, that's A-P-A-C-N-Y dot org, and get your tickets to Raisin, playing now at the Astoria Performing Arts Center in Astoria through May 27th. Earlier this season, I had Katie Lynch on the show, who is the creator and host of Backstage Bite, playing on broadwayworld.com, and her second season is coming out on Tuesday, May 23rd, and you can find those brand new episodes will be coming to you from broadwayworld.com, of course, and you can also just go to backstagebite.com. Needless to say, I am very excited to see what kind of morsels of entertainment uh, Backstage Bite will be bringing to us this season. So I think that about does it. Have a wonderful week. If I don't talk to you before then, have a wonderful Memorial Day. And without further ado, here is episode 508 with Michael Kushner. Guys, I am sitting here with my new friend, Michael Kushner. Hi. How's it going? It's great. Good. That was good. really fun. That was, I had a blast. Yeah, me too. We, uh, we always record the song before we sit down and have the interview. I feel like it kind of takes the pressure off. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine having, like, we haven't done the song yet? I'd be so in my head and just being like, oh my God, like, how did it, how did it, wait. And yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> but, like, that would be, that wouldn't help me speak to you at all. So I'm, I'm no. very happy that that's done. Good, good. <laughs> I give people, I sometimes give people the option. I'm like, do you want to do it first? Right. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know. We are here in the beautiful Mary Rogers room at the Dramatist Guild, um, just playing. Gillian played, you know, Richard Rogers' piano, no biggie. It's literally to my right. I had no idea that that's what that piano was. There's a plaque that says, Restored through the generosity of the Rogers Family Foundation to commemorate the life and work of Richard Rogers." So it's official. 
It's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I reached out to just the Musical Theater Factory, yeah. um, hungry for new awesome people to interview. And you were so kind enough to write back and be like, yeah, you should interview me. <laughs> you and should. I, and I love, and I am. Like I yeah. love, the, I love that confidence. And I checked you out. And I was like, yes, I should absolutely be talking <laughs> to Michael Kushner. Oh my goodness! And I had, I, I didn't know who you were, and now I do, and I will forever. Oh my god. Um. Same. So tell me things. So you're, like, you're originally from South Florida. Well, I'm actually no? originally from Long Island. Oh. Yeah, I'm a Long Island Jew um, <laughs> by blood, but I was raised in Fort Lauderdale, so I'm like a Boca Jew. <laughs> Bred and raised, and they're they're similar. They're same, same, but different. I mean, okay. I'm try, I'm trying to think. Like, um, the Long Island Jews are a little speedier, and they're a little quicker. And then the Boca Jews are the ones that go there to live the rest of their life. <laughs> so everything starts to slow it's down. Like you, it's like you've like already retired, and now you're coming out of retirement. Right. Of course, I have a tennis ball on on my car, so I can find it in <laughs> shopping. No, I'm just kidding. I don't actually, but like that's the thing. That's like Boca. And then, um, but so I've, I, I have a little bit of a mix right there. I'm, I'm very go gettery, but then, you know, I enjoy, you know, a little bit of coffee talk and to just chill out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get into this, like, musical theater world? Yeah. Like, I think, as so many of us, including myself, you started, like, going the performer track. Is that yeah. right? Like, from a very young age. So, there's a lot of different things going on here. Um, my parents were, are amazing, and they, uh, they basically were like you in a lot less words and a lot, you know, by just their actions. You try something and you don't like it, we'll try something else. So I did, I did the T-ball into the baseball circuit and I did the karate and was training for my black belt and I did that, but then something wasn't snagging. And then my grandma um, in the local newspaper found an advertisement that a local children's theater was doing Mary Poppins. And I was about seven or eight, and um, favorite movie. I mean, she's right now tattooed on my arm right here. Oh, my God. That's what that is. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It's, a, it's an outline of Mary flying. And so I was like, yes, absolutely. And since that day, I have been associated with, I, I guess, with the theater since that day when I was seven or eight years old. And then it, we flash forward a little bit to high school. When my teacher, Elena Garcia, who's a big, uh, big deal in South Florida and so lucky to have been taught by her, um, she was very adamant about doing more than just performance. You're always going to be producing your own work. And I took that to heart. That's a very, that's a relatively young age to be. Yeah. Be, to I mean, told I had that kind of reality check. I had her when I was 14. Wow. But it wasn't it wasn't a reality check of like, um, hey guys, you're gonna all fail. You're not gonna work. It was this. Why don't you ex- why don't you explore your potential? So it actually became our our work. I mean, we had to write a one man show. We had to we had to perform in our own one man show, and we had to do all of these things that was not just performance. Um, do the tech for each other as one man shows, and we all fell in love with the, with the wholeness of theater. That inspired me to become the artist that I am today. Where I don't just perform, I don't just take pictures, but if I'm part of the theater community here in New York City, then I'm successful. No matter how much money I make, no matter the credits, I am successful because I'm doing what I love. 
Amen. Right? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Very ap- apropos for our song today. Right? Yeah. Ain't that the truth? And also Drag Race. <laughs> and Drag Race. <laughs> right. We could have a whole discussion on Oh, yeah. That'll be the yeah. next episode. Great. Great. Perfect. Excellent. So from kind of the get-go, you were exploring all these different avenues. Yeah. Let's see. Did you go to college? I did. I majored in musical theater. I went to Ithaca. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and what I like to say about Ithaca is that it's a life school as well. Uh, it, it kind of uh, falls into play the trajectory of like where I've studied and what I've wanted to do. Because with Ithaca, we got to study abroad. And our professors were so focused on us graduating uh, being human beings that could have a healthy career of longevity, sustainable, as opposed to, you know, um, and I'm not knocking this. This is just a lot of the graduates that walk out of Ithaca are actors first and have that career as opposed to kind of kicking face and then not dancing after you're 30. So, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, I'm not knocking that again. If that's what you want to do, then you do it. That's not ever what I wanted to do. Um, So I'm so glad because Ithaca was such a big acting school that I I got to really learn about my sense of self and where my, uh, I don't want to say faults, but where I could have been a better person, both as an artist and a human being. Then again, they're the same thing. A lot of lessons in vulnerability, a lot of of lessons in grounding myself. That was kind of my four years in Ithaca, was being vulnerable and being grounded and how that how that comes to play in, in life yeah it kind of rocked my world a lot <laughs> yeah but you seem very grounded for for being 25 which is which is young do you hear that Ithaca College <laughs> <laughs> loud and clear <laughs> heard it from Joel B. New love it um well it took it I mean there was one exercise that we did and actually just um in a blog post for a new theater publication that came out um called Broadway Hit I actually wrote about this um, this one very specific professor, Cynthia Henderson, um, I mean, she was tough and good friend of mine now, but tough, tough, tough cookie. And uh, she made us bring three rocks into class and we would sit. Now, listen to how Ithaca this is. We would sit in studio and she would ring a Tibetan bell and she would say, touch a rock. And then we would touch a rock with our eyes closed, touch a rock. She'd say, thank you. And then we'd take our hands away and just did that for a time. And then would break into the scene or break into whatever exercise we were doing that day. And it really kind of nailed nailed, nailed that for me. And sophomore year, I was wearing Harley Davidson motorcycle boots so I could walk around feeling connected to the earth. Because one professor said, Michael, you have to walk with your heels connected to the earth. How Ithaca hippie is that's, that? That's, is that great? That's, yeah. pretty, that's, that's pretty, pretty great. Hippie. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, 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 hey. it, I connected with that, and I heard those words, and I was like, okay, how? Let's play around with this. What instead of instead of freaking out, being like, I'm gonna get cut, or I'm never gonna be successful. How can I explore this? How can I have fun with this? Yeah, like you're defining you're defining success or redefining success at such an early age. Trying. I yeah. mean, I don't think well, I even, we do it. It's a practice, right? As it's everything a to- is. That's the thing is it, it. It is a total practice. There was no, no ifs, ands, or buts that I was going to go to college and graduate and be an actor or 
be an artist in the city. But how that was going to happen was the question. And that's still what we're going through. And I'm saying we're as me. (laughs) That's still what I'm going through is, is what, and I don't mean to get very Jack Dawson-y on you, but like, you know, to making account, like what is the trajectory about how I can be happy in a, in a business that can really be dog eat dog. And I see people leave it every day, just gone. And it breaks my heart because they're so talented. Something I would love to do is inspire people to stay and to use themselves and to build their own path into this business because this is the one business where you don't need a degree to do it. You know what I'm saying? You can literally come here from anywhere, and if you have the guts and the glory and the talent, anything's possible. So when I do headshots, because I shoot, I'm a photographer, and when I do my headshots, I talk about this a lot. I'm very business-oriented when we shoot headshots because I want to make sure that my clients know who they are and what they can, what they offer. Um, like for me as an actor, I look 16 and sound like Ethel Merman. You know, that's like <laughs> <Yeah>. my thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And like, that's what I told my management when I signed with them. And like, um, and like, they like got it. They were like, okay, so like, you're very specific. And I was like, uh-huh. And that's good. We're <laughs> yes. going to have fun with that. Um, and even if even if you don't have something like that, you're like, I'm fresh faced, young, next to our neighbor, pop tenor, which there are a lot of in the city. Yeah. Still, how can we set you aside from the from everyone else? Do you think it's important though to kind of have those parameters, like labeling yourself, so that you can then break out of your own box? Um, yeah, totally. I, because I think that I did start with the like fresh faced young boy next door. You know what I mean? And then I was like, but wait, I don't, I'm not connecting with any of the material that's being written for those fresh-faced boy next door. It's like, what? I don't want to just sit by the wayside and wait for something to happen. So that's why I'm so on board with Musical Theater Factory. Yeah. You know, because um, they are all about new musicals and telling the stories that need to be told and decentering the white man and all that stuff. So it, it's perfect, and you know I want to be a part of that. Speaking of like, uh, like categorizing yourself and kind of, yeah, like organizing yourself. Like your website has like very four, like four distinct versions of you, or like variations of you. Yeah, and it was so nice and neat. And I'd love to talk about how those bleed over. Yeah, and how one complements the other. Right. Or, um. So like, there's the acting, and there's photography. And then there's um, your makeup work. <laughs> and then there's Musical Theater Factory. It's so funny. The makeup work is, is funny because people do come up to me and they go, oh, my God, you're such a great makeup artist. The funny thing is, is I'm not really. Like, I can, like, come up with cool creations. And this was something I studied in high school that I kind of practice on friends for Halloween parties and just, like, you know, shows. But I never, like, really dove into it. The thing about the makeup is that it was kind of it, the whole Trick or Beat series that I did, which was this, v- these videos I posted about once a week on Facebook that went kind of strangely viral, not like worldly viral, but like within 
within the niche that you yeah within the niche what that was about was kind of rebranding myself being like hi new york hi friends of mine i'm weird i'm weird as hell and this is how i'm weird i'm gonna like get into disney makeup for you and just talk to you and make it funny and people don't do people don't create and that's another thing that garcia was talking about just like creating throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks that's like my big thing is that i love to talk about is just do it just throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what actually sticks and trick or be weirdly stuck but that it couldn't it would have lost its flavor if i did it the whole year so it'll come back again in the fall and it'll be this time it'll be bigger, you know. Not, you know to, not to Are you a big more. Disney person? Yeah, I mean, me too. I Jafar, saw, yeah. I saw on your phone. Yeah, and Jafar I watched the, the Jafar uh, video. Yeah, that one actually. My my friend Catherine Allison, who's in Aladdin right now, um, showed it to Jonathan, Jonathan Freeman. And next thing you know, I get a selfie from Catherine with an envelope with my name on it, and I run and get it from her, and it's a handwritten note from Jonathan being like that was so funny it's great and it was it's amazing that's not the first story about jonathan though that i have because i love jafar and um when i was 15 i saw him do my dream role roger debris and the producers Mm. on broadway and i staged jordan it and i was like oh my god i love you like you like you have no idea like blah 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 so articulate as a 15 year old of course and um we all are right still to this day, SAT words. He literally was just like, what's your address? And he's like, what? And I wrote it on, I'm pretty sure it was a pink post-it note. And like two weeks later in Florida, I got a giant care package of Jafar signed. What? And it was amazing. Just like uh, personalized like stationery and like a letter. It was ridiculous and ridiculously nice. And I'll never forget that. I have not one bad thing to say about Mr. Freeman. I don't know anyone. I know. How? That's How? the thing is no one would. But it goes to show you that that's the type of artist I want to be is yeah. creating something like that. Yeah. And then also, like, paying attention to the lives that you affect. And that's how I feel about Dressing Room Project. I don't know if you know about I I touched upon it yeah. on, on the photography website. Yeah. Um, that's a whole crazy new project I'm working on, um, the end game of it is, uh, I, I can't really talk about it right now, but uh, it has, a, it has a, a, a life ahead of itself, which is very exciting. And as of right now, there's two publications that are doing a spot on it. One is a new uh, theater publication called Musical Theater Today, and it got a four-page spread. Nice. in it which is coming out in june which is very exciting wow and then another is playbill i just had a deadline for playbill the other night and i submitted all their stuff all, all the stuff to them and hopefully that'll be running soon and heartbeat opera's spring festival features two new 90-minute adaptations of puccini's butterfly and bizet's carmen Our butterfly looks at the stereotype of the tragic geisha through the eyes of a nine-year-old Asian-American boy. Our new 90-minute adaptation of Carmen will imagine the story at a fictional border crossing. 
and will investigate the deeper borders in the story uh, between men and women, between desire and repulsion, and ultimately between life and death. Our production is sort of stripping back some of the layers of what we think are fetishism, orientalism. She hates law and order. She hates uh, borders of any kind. She hates restrictions. She hates limits. Chocho-san is a fantasy, I would argue. Our production of Butterfly will be both seductive and unsettling. We want our work to have a physical, emotional impact. We want it to make your heart race and your pulse soar. We want the singers' voices and the vibrations that they make in the air to really raise goosebumps on your skin. We believe in this art form so much. We believe in the stories. We believe in the awesomeness of the operatic voice. There's something so thrilling in hearing an opera singer sing as if they had a little microphone in their throat. The festival will run May 20th through 28th at Baruch Performing Arts Center. Tickets are available at heartbeatopera.org. The Dressing Room Project is a photographic journal of actors prepping for their roles on Broadway. And why I did it was because uh, I'm combining two things that I love, photography and performance. But I'm also uh, exploring the things. I'm noticing my boyfriend and I see all the shows, and we're noticing there's an, uh, an increasing insensitivity to theater etiquette. Was that the right? That's the right way to say it. There's theater etiquette has become very bad. Um, what with phones and candies and talking. Literally, we saw the play that goes wrong, and behind us, the couple was literally they were literally narrating the play, go, like going wrong. Like, oh my god, the guy just fell. <laughs> like they're at home watching TV. Oh my god, she they just pulled her out the window. No spoilers, of course, but yeah. like like they're watching TV like it was the NFL. Or whatever other baseball team. No, I'm just kidding. I um, but you know that. Like, so so now we're. Kind of, I'm kind of trying to educate educate the children on what goes into a performance. That no actor just walks on stage and sings for you. It's about. It's a process, and it is one. You know, if you kind of put jazz under the umbrella of it, musical theater is the true American art form, you know? So we're kind of walking museums, living museums, and then we have Joe Schmo come and just ruin the experience. So it's also for the theater lovers that uh, can't come and see Broadway shows as often, you know what I mean? Or the the college student that is maybe doing the Phantom of the Opera and they want to see how Ali Ewald did uh, prepared for Christine and maybe try that preparation, see how it enhances her performance. It's There are so many things I want to come out of it. Yeah, I want to come out of this project. So um, I have about 12 shows under my belt and 
you can follow me on Instagram at at the dressing room project. That's what it is. Hey, thanks. Thanks. So it's a, it's a cool project. I'm pretty proud of it because I think that there's a nice little future for it. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you find that these projects that you create because these like no one asked you to do the dressing room project. Nope. This came from you. Yep. This came from like I have something to say about something. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't come to New York to snooze. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's it, that's the truth. I'm not gonna sit on my ass and just like wait for someone to tell me a project. That's right. Um, you'll be waiting a long time. Even I'll, like like even talented people like you. Yeah. Will be waiting. Well, thank you. But yes, that is the truth. That is the God's honest truth. No one's gonna tell me what to do, and I might as well send an email and see what can come out of it. And all of a sudden, I'm backstage photographing Todd Recall, Ramin. It's very bizarre and exciting because then I'm kind of like, you know, Ramin, for instance. I when I studied abroad in London, it was some of the happiest times of my life. And I had a very hard time leaving, letting go of London because of how happy I was. And I wasn't ready to be a senior yet. It was just a lot of stuff going on. And then I would get lost in the world of Les Mis and listening to it and, like, being back in London because it was hard to let go and listening to Ramin and all that good stuff. And next thing you know, I'm with him in his dressing room photographing him, talking about his his take on Valjean and his preparation for Valjean. Do you, do you interview them as well? Is that part of it? Yes. That is that is a part that has not been released yet, but okay. I do have an interview sort of process Got it. for the next part that I will release, which won't be tomorrow, but it will be hopefully soon. But um, I know I'm being so cryptic about this. No, but, no. Um, but it's fancy cryptic. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. I have to keep my art safe as well you know what i mean oh yeah um but uh but yeah like that's he was talking to me about one of the best performances i've seen i've in my current you know life i mean it's kind of cool that i'll be able to like tell my grandkids that i saw patty do uh gypsy and nina do venus and fur and laurie metcalf do doll's house i was completely completely oh my god i was I loved it, and I also saw her do uh, Longest Journey into Night in London. It's very cool to sit through these performances, but the personal ones are are just as important. And seeing Ramin do Les Mis, and then all of a sudden backstage with him talking about that very performance, it was exciting. And telling the universe exactly what I wanted kind of is a reoccurring theme mm-hmm. that happens, and I think that's one of them. Shooting Adina Menzel was another. That's so cool. Yeah, that was um, that was 13 years of me telling the universe that I'm going to work with this woman in some capacity, because we as performers, I notice a lot of similarities. Like she's, I love watching her work because you see her wa- work from her toes to the top of her head, and she works when she performs. She works, and and it's so muscu- muscular, and I love that. And I think that for me personally that I can relate to that. I, I have to work to sing. I have to work because I was in the car accident as I was telling you and yeah. things got screwed up in my whole body. So every time I sing, I work. I have to be mindful. No matter how much I practice, I have to be mindful. And so when I saw someone on Broadway that worked for their sound and 
for those tears and for that grit. I was like, that's who I want to, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to do. Um, and so that's why I love her so much. And so to photograph her was to be in that very intimate space and to have those moments with her was very cool. Do you want to talk about the car accident? Oh my God. The car accident was crazy. Um, how long ago was that? That was in 2000 and the fall of 2008. And I was on my way to school and I was doing the speed limit and it was, I was living the life of a senior. Like I was like dating this cute boy and like the leads in my musicals and I had my car. I actually had a show that night and um, a truck. I, I had a green light and I was doing the speed limit and I was in the left-hand lane and a truck was waiting to make a U-turn directly in front of me and went in front of me. So I T-boned him. Didn't have, I mean, I slammed on my brakes obviously, but I T-boned him doing 50. Oh my God. Yeah. And so like my car like, melted it didn't it like spun and like did the thing the oil was on and i just remember i was listening to i think it was either title of show or it was i think so what i'm still a rock star pink um it was one of those (laughs) i get those mixed up a lot yeah me too um and everything was gray everything went gray and smoky and airbags and smelled like burning and the music shut off and it was slow and my car doors wouldn't open and I got on the street and I remember feeling nothing. I remember feeling my stomach was like buzzing. And when I come down, I couldn't really tell if it was adrenaline or pain or whatever, but the cops came and they asked me if I was feeling okay. And, and I was like, I think my stomach hurts. And because I complained, because I said that something was hurting, they by law had to send an ambulance to bring me to the hospital. Uh, all my vital signs were fine. I wound up leaving the hospital at 3 p.m. My body wound up really uh, kind of like uh, hardening, like atrophying because of the muscles. I mean, it was it was hard. Yeah. And I did the show that night. What show was it? It was, <laughs> it was Elegies. Wow. So here I am singing about dead people and Elegy William Finn, you know Bill Finn's Elegies, which is one of my favorite musicals. Stiff as a board, but, like, in it. In it. I know. So wow. then herniated disc, two bulging discs later, and um, uh, three epidurals, electromuscle stimulation. And my back started to um, stiffen, and my breathing wasn't able to fully uh, – I wasn't able to fully engage in my breathing. So next thing you know, I developed all this crazy vocal tension. One of my professors in Ithaca actually told me that one of the reasons why they admitted me into the school was because of my warm-up during my audition because they saw me paying attention to my body and how it was moving, and they were so drawn to that. Hmm. So in a way, it was a blessing. You know, it set me aside from the rest to be able to, like, pay attention to, like, what my lumbar was doing, you know, and to be able to breathe into that. so interesting being, like, a theater student and and being – Vulnerability is something that I, is huge in my life right now. Uh, th- throwing the spaghetti against the wall and knowing that people are going to shit talk your process and your projects and look through Instagram and Facebook and be like, what the hell is this picture? Like, what? Why is he doing this? Blah, blah, blah. I know people do that about me, but you know what? I don't have any time. I don't. 
but I had one teacher in uh, high school that her response, and I'm a good student. If I'm not a good student, please call 1-800 and, and file your complaints. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> file your complaints. But um, uh, I was a good student, and I took pride in that. But she literally, her two things that she said when I got back to school after my car accident was, one, where's your homework and why didn't you turn it in when you were absent? You know homework is due even when you're absent. You have to get it to me. And two, when I found out you were in a car accident, I, the first thing that I thought was, how was I going to make Elegies a four-person show instead of a five-person show? She said that to you? To my face in her office. And I'll never forget that. And that was my impetus to kind of get out of the trajectory of pleasing everyone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, you know what? What if I didn't make the show? You would have had a problem that I wouldn't have had to worry about. I needed to take care of myself, but I didn't because my your opinion doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? And that yeah. was kind of the start of it. Your opinion doesn't matter to me. I don't care that I gave you a hard time. I don't care that you don't like me for some reason. I'm an artist, and I'm going to go on my own way. And it, but it's a, but it's a long haul. That was the start of it. Yeah. I'm still going through that, you know. Why didn't this Instagram get that many likes? Oh, my God, this must be a terrible picture. Oh, my God, I look off. You know, it's the the inner monologues that happen. It's Well, there's also just so many more ways for people to like or not like you. Yeah, to criticize. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) That is so true. Social media, it's, you know, you don't have a business card anymore like you do like social – like there was never such a thing like social media – before so we're all figuring this out yeah in such a rapid uh in such a rapid motion because social media is rapid because social media is rapid instant gratification and it's necessary i've never booked a show from an epa or an ecc but i've booked shows through social media and through text message um from a friend being like on a facebook message being like hey, I'm working on the show and there's a character with this vocal type and this type of humor, would you do it? That's what happens. Yeah. So when You probably got back to them in like, what, five minutes or something? Uh Uh-huh. Well, people go, why are you on your phone so much? Well, there's your answer. That's right. I actually know someone that during, during their shift at lunch, they were working the lunch shift, they were offered a, um, a job. And she didn't check her phone for, you know, an hour or two. And when she called saying she gladly accepts, they had already moved on. That's not okay. Well, that's not okay, obviously. That's not okay. But that happens, Mm -hmm. especially when people are so quick to, like, find someone to replace or find someone to fill in this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was always scared of that. And that's why, like, like my phone, ugh, man, it's so sad to say, but that thing is always on me. Oh, I am always checking it. Is it As, that? Is it FOMO? Is it fear of missing out? I mean, yeah, to book a show, and so like <laughs> then all of a sudden, like, you know, I mean, like that's not that's not like a contract. It's not like a theater offering me, but it, it would be like a reading, like that. It's so weird. I mean. The, the, there are again there are no rules to this business you got to find find the things that make you a happy businessman 
because I'm not only an artist, I'm a businessman too. Mm-hmm. And a human being. And a human being, above all else. How did you find photography? Um, funny story. I worked regionally a lot when I was younger, and I would make everyone give me their headshot and resumes every cast I was in because I liked to look at headshots. For some reason, I really liked them. And I used to keep them and just like, you know, whatever. Then I got a camera for Hanukkah my sophomore year of college. And I started taking pictures of my friends just at like parties or whatever. My friends were like, ooh, I look so pretty. You got to like keep doing this. Then senior year, I started experimenting on the freshmen with pictures. And I liked how they were coming out just based on aesthetic and enjoying myself with clients. I was like, I'm going to do this when I get to the city. Not understanding that, like, that would, I needed it. I needed equipment and to sell myself and to get trust, people to trust me with pictures for two plus years. You know what I mean? What do you like about, like, taking people's headshots? I like getting to know people. I like when people walk. My favorite thing about shooting people is when people leave, when they feel like they can take over the world. Because we don't just snap. We don't just shoot. We talk about how we're feeling and how how the business is going and where they want to go. Yeah. And as an as an as a theater lover and as someone that is a, probably a big fan of anyone that comes through my door, I want that to happen. Right. I I've had uh, my studio is very safe space. I don't really talk about much that happens Sorry. in my studio, but I have had a client that was an, a name and was confiding within confiding in me about her goals and wants so every day since then I've thought about them doing what they have wanted to do and hopefully that that will come to fruition just because I care I do really really care I do I really really care about an artist's well-being well it shows through your photos thank you that's very sweet that's very sweet but I just I think that we do what uh, not to like blow smoke up each other, but like really what we do is pretty important and we really need it right now. Amen. We really need it right now. So we might as well really take care of each other. On joelbnew.com, you can access the something new archive by clicking on the podcast tab. There, you'll find all 90-plus episodes featuring conversations and performances with friends and colleagues in the theater industry, including Shakina Nafak, founder of Musical Theater Factory. I emailed a group of friends, and I said, This sounds crazy, but I think I'm going to build a black box theater in the back of a porn studio near Times Square. Do you want to help? And um, those were sort of the founding members of the Musical Theater Factory, uh, a group of um, performers writers, composers, and directors. And then we had a a series of community brainstorms where we met and we talked about what kind of programming would serve the needs of our greater community. How did Musical Theater Factory get into your world? Because you're like, you're a founding member. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I am a founding member. Officially. (laughs) Officially. Um, it's on a plaque. Um, <laughs> put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, it's not I, official. It's on a plaque. Right? It's true. That I like, cried when I saw that plaque. I bet um, you did. It's, it's like me with like 30 other names that are 
very important names to me that I grew up listening to on cast albums or I've always wanted to sing their music. And I'm like, oh, my Movers God. Movers and Shakers. Crazy. Yeah, ain't that the truth. Yeah. I had Shakina on the show <sighs> season three. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I got to listen to that one. Yeah. She's – so. Yes. She We worked together at Barrington Stage. Oh. And um, I knew that – I was obsessed with her from the get-go. And then – uh, one day at dinner or something with a group of people, she was like, oh, when I get, you know, in the city, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to make my own theater. I'm going to, you know, figure it. She, I don't remember the exact sentence she said, but um, after Barrington, I went to go do another show. And then when I came back, there was kind of an email being like, hey, we got a space. Let's turn it into a theater. We had a blast. We had a blast in that space we're no longer at that space we're now in a three-year residency with playwrights horizons which is also pretty cool which is pretty nifty you know which is pretty nifty but it's really exciting and interesting to learn what we can can't do without our without that space you know just like all these different things um and it goes back to again what garcia said regarding creating your own theater i mean you really gotta you really gotta uh be creative you really gotta think on your feet and you really gotta make it work you really do. So that's something that has been amazing about the factory because um, I'm surrounded by incredible, passionate theater professionals that really want to um, make stuff happen. And for those of you that don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, for my listeners who you yeah. know haven't been with me since season three, but please go back and yeah. listen to my episode with Shakina. Because Shakina also is probably the most brilliant person you'll ever talk to so uh, i just just listen it was, it was to a delightful one. conversation listen yeah she one. she she pushed me she <laughs> she Good. she was great she um um sometimes i get too busy to write a song for my guest and um and i gave her a couple of other options like from my catalog because i write a lot and and she was like isn't the whole point of this for me to like sing something new <laughs> called you she out. called me out and so i wrote her a new song and then we talked about that on the podcast too like the interview and like Good. you know because that's what shakina does does she ever yeah does she ever i mean so let's tell people what musical theater factory is cool the musical theater factory is um it's actually a volunteer-based nonprofit dedicated to helping musical theater artists develop and present new work in a collaborative atmosphere free from the pressures of critical or commercial success it's a mouthful, but basically we produce new, diverse musicals in a conveyor belt sort of fashion. In a conveyor belt? Like a factory. In, in, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we have different <laughs> programs where we incubate these musicals. Mm-hmm. And there have been such uh, such works that have come from yeah. the factory. Yeah, I've, I've done... I've done two 4x15s. Yeah. Two of my shows have gone through the factory. So you know. I mean, yeah. that's literally – so a 4x15 is a night where four musicals get 15 minutes of uh, of um, production. Yeah. Fully staged. Fully staged. and But the kick is they get five hours of rehearsal, and they just put it together. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And it's done in front of a panel of other writers and theater professionals, mm-hmm. and there's feedback abound, conversation galore. It's a thrilling night. Um it's where I met my agent. Oh, there you go. She was uh, one of the panelists. Who's your agent? Uh, Alexis Williams at Adams. Hi, Alexis. Hi, Alexis. I don't know Alexis, but she's great. fabulous. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing is, I just produced um, mus- uh, the um, singer fucking face off at Musical Theater Factory, and 
it was where members and non-members alike that want to do more at the factory come and do a big non not audition for us and sing two 16 bar cuts and in front of a big panel of directors casting directors um all that jazz Uh and we talk to everyone and make sure it's a big not audition and people do their best in those situations because it was a big party it was a big enjoyable experience and now we're we have all these colorful wonderful people new people that we could have tell new stories which is very exciting was Kate Lumpkin there? Kate Lumpkin was there, and she is now our uh, official casting director at the factory. Get that. Yeah. She was also a guest on Something New this season. Oh, uh, man, that girl. A couple girl, of episodes ago. That girl, that woman, that fierce, beautiful being who's going to change the face. I want to be in the um, <laughs> Say little it. confession. Oh. What I want to do as an artist, the the I want to be on the level I want to be looked at as and I want to in history books and textbooks I want my name to be there with Shakina with Kate with Sherry with Sherry Sanders amen Matt Roden like all those like those people the ones that create and do you know what I mean mm-hmm. that don't sit on their butt like that's that's who I want to be and sure I want to be on Broadway I do of course I do I'm going to win that Tony for the revival of the producers. I'm going to be Roger Debris, hands down. But what am I going to do in between then? Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Can't wait. So, and those people aren't waiting either. Nope. With Sherry Sanders Rock, the audition, and Kate, Kate's office hours, and Slate, you know, Slate Project, and um, uh, Matt, and Matt just doing all of his videos, and producing, and Chiquino with Musical Theater Factory, and difficult, you know, she has Musical Theater Factory, but she's, doing difficult people and uh, man it's just it's very inspiring and ah it's good what um you know i'm just gonna use a factory analogy but what is your like what cog are you in the factory of musical theater i am membership coordinator and resident photographer so membership coordinator basically we serve as the voice of the people i work uh with amanda savin we're the co-membership coordinators and basically we um, make sure that everyone is okay that everyone is being represented well and that if anyone has any ideas for anything we you know we come up with membership driven programming so we just had a kate lumpkin uh she doesn't want to say master class but a kate lumpkin audition prep class um that that i produced with her just because we wanted to come up with more membership perks what does it mean to be a member like what what makes musical theater factory so special let's take care of the members both i mean not just performers but songwriters composers directors mm-hmm. every everyone alike needs to feel taken care of so that's what amanda and i do and then we take all the little words of love and and you know excitement and we bring them to staff meetings so that we can all be on the same page and that we can all see change and you're their resident photographer yeah yeah so yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's like your world's coming together yeah so what's cool about uh musical theater today the publication that I talked about, the dressing room project is yeah. going to get a four page spread. So cool. Actually more of my photos are going to be in there because musical theater factory is getting a whole section. They better. Which is very cool. Yeah. One of the biggest, I'm telling the universe is my name in a textbook in a theater history textbook. That's really cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, uh, 
people see my name. Maybe it's not in lights anymore. You know, yeah. and that's that's also be- and that's an awakening. That's a discovery. Not only is it an awakening, but that's very vulnerable to me to say, to go, okay, maybe my name isn't going to be in lights right now. Maybe it will be, but what is going to make me happy? Mm-hmm. I would like my name in lights, but my own version. Yep. You know what I mean? Maybe my own version right now is in a textbook, a theater history textbook. Like, but I constantly am performing or producing or working on new musical new musicals where I'm seeing my name in playable articles or theater mania articles or Broadway.com articles, like whatever it is. Maybe that's my new version. I think as an artist, we need to constantly be in check and that's vulnerable to be in. Where am I in my career? Where am I as an artist and where am I as a, as a person? Um, what as a person can I bring to the table that'll enhance the art that'll lift the art higher that's what it's about well for those who can't wait for the history books that are going to have your name in it where can they find you now oh my god well since i guess i confided with you about how i'm so attached to my phone (laughs) i'm better though my boyfriend really helped me with that i'm so much better now i actually like put down my phone when we're watching the great british baking show you know what i mean have you used do not disturb yet no. No, you Screw can't do that. it? No, All I right. can't do that. All right. Baby steps. All right. Just um, putting it out there. But thank you. Thank you. I will I will, um, I will. will marinate on that idea, <laughs> and I will let you know how it goes. Please do. Um, we'll have you back. Where – oh, my God. That's actually very funny. Um, where can you find me? You can find me at Michael Kushner Photography on Instagram or at The Dressing Room Project on Instagram. And that's about, like, that's my biggest thing. I mean, you could, of course, add me on Facebook or, or like Michael Kushner Photography on Facebook. Um, those are pretty much the options, the outlets that I use. I also, from time to time, this is embarrassing, time to time use Twitter, but I'm such a bad Twitter, tweeter. Twitterer? I can't even say it. So now's the time where we set up the song. Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Michael was kind enough to learn and perform a brand spanking new song. A great song. I oh, I want to sing this again. You I will. Love I love it. Let's I think do it. it's great. I think it's really fun. That's so nice. What I also can I just like brag about you for a second? Sure. What I love about your music is that you know how to write for performer, not only performers but for but for singers. Like that's an easy song to sing, even though it's a hard song. Mm. A lot. Nice. A lot of writers. Don't do that. So congrats on that for making it friendly to learn. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but also complicated. It has, well, I think yeah. it's important that we remember our roots in musical theater, which is musical – like musical theater songs were popular songs. Like yeah. they were songs that you left theaters humming, that you hummed in your car, that – you. Know, I think it's I, – I don't know. That's just how I approach my art yeah. is that, you know, that like – they're songs first. I'm starting to hum songs again, leaving Broadway houses, which is good. That's good. So I felt leaving come from away. Not only was I absolutely gutted and bent over backwards about it, I'm obsessed with the show, but I'm humming the songs. I'm, lo- I'm loving That's them. a good sign. Yeah, it's a good sign. And it, so it looks all these original great musicals on Broadway this season. This is a good season. Darn good season. Yeah, can't wait to see what happens with the I know. I'm I know. very itching. Yeah. 
Um, so this is a new song, um, tentatively from McKenzie and the Missing Boy, which I've been working on for a while. And it's the new song that introduces us to McKenzie's teenage son in scene two or so. Um, he's now 15, and it establishes who he is alone. So many characters in the show are lying to us. Um, so it's important, I found it important to give him a moment where we're seeing him where he his defenses are down and he doesn't have to lie to anybody. Uh, but we're also getting that cocky, self-assured, smart aleck, um, irreverent side that we're going to learn to um, love and grow with throughout the show. So that's what that is. I guess you need to know he's singing to... So he's by himself, and he's singing to a statue of Jesus on the cross. And um, I think that's all you kind of need to know. Um, I did have to tell <laughs> I had to tell Michael and Gillian Berkowitz is on piano. Who's fabulous. Ever and, so and always. Oh, yeah. Um, Michael and Gillian are both Jewish. And so, like, Jesus stories aren't as second nature to them as, uh, you know, someone who grew up Catholic. Right. Definitely not. Yeah. So I had to <laughs> I had to regale them the tale of um, when Jesus was, like, uh, like 12 or 13 and he strayed from his parents and, like, spent a couple of days in a temple and they had to, like, go back and find him and he got reprimanded. And I remember that uh, story from my childhood. Um, like, I think the lesson was that, like, even Jesus wasn't perfect or something. Uh, I, yeah. I think maybe. You know, anyway, but yeah. that's that's the cue <laughs> for the song, that this is, like, a, a homily or whatever they had in the 30s. Um, you can tell this is well-researched, too. <laughs> um uh, that, that brings us into this moment. So um, I had a really good time playing this, playing with you guys today and yeah. watching you guys. Like, it's so rewarding to watch the song uh, come come to birth. That was that was really fun and felt really good to create. So thank you for having me. Oh, my God. Any time. Just call me, up, call me up. Call me up. <laughs> um, guys, remember, this song is going to be also streaming on YouTube, which is exclusively through broadwayworld.com. And follow me on all things social media, and you can find those links and so much more, including becoming a patron of Joel B. New at joelbnew.com. And uh, I want to thank the Dramatist Guild today for hosting us in the Mary Rogers room. Oh, and thank you to Gillian Berkowitz yeah, forever thanks. for playing. And last but not least, Michael Kushner, thank you for being on my show today. You're so welcome. It's I'm so thrilled that I could have been here today, so thank you. Well, thank, thank you for reaching out. Of course. From the Dramatist Guild in New York City, this is Joel B. New. And Michael Kushner. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. stayed behind at a temple much to your mother's dismay Mary took a deep breath son you scared us half to death why on God's green earth would you wanna disobey <laughs> I got other plans other 
me saying hey to my pop I got other plans I do <laughs> sister tells me I got potential I might make her proud by becoming a priest. It's too bad I got deceased when my side split open from laughing hard and loud. I got other plans, other plans. Gotta run, she says, have faith. I got none, I got other plans. This is fun, Jesus. <laughs> you could say we're two kindred spirits. Both of us suffered great loss. I ain't saying we're twins. We got different thoughts on sins. There's no need for looking so goddamn cross. We got other Yeah.